Well, good morning, everybody. I'm going to assume all of you that are watching online said good morning as well. I'm going to trust in that. Uh, it's a better reaction than what I got earlier uh, when our worship leader found out that I was preaching today. He legitimately let out a shriek and then proceeded to run to the closet that's at the back of the fellowship hall and hide. So uh, we like to have fun around here at Community of Grace. And uh, yes, it is difficult times right now. These are times that we have never faced before in the history of our country and the history of our world, but uh, we're not going to let a stinking virus be in the way of us worshiping God and giving praise to the one who, from whom all blessings flow. And so uh, I want to encourage all of you and those of you who are watching uh, online uh, that even though we might be isolated from one another and we might be watching from our various homes, uh, there is a verse that is in my mailbox at the church, and it's a very fitting verse for the times that we are in. And so I want to encourage you because uh, you can't get enough encouragement in this world. So uh, do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. And that comes from Isaiah 41, verse 10. And so... During this time, it's important for us to recenter ourselves, and that's what this Lenten journey is all about. This world can be busy, this world can be distracting in a number of different ways, but we as the people of God take this Lenten journey along with Jesus to the cross. It's a chance for us to recenter ourselves around his truth and his promises for us. And here at Community of Grace Lutheran Church, we have taken it upon ourselves to revisit our core values. And just to review those over uh, with all of you, uh, in the very first week of this series, we talked about how Jesus makes us family. And then last week, we talked about how deep roots make good fruit. Today, we're going to focus on how love pours out. And then to look forward to the next few weeks, uh, we're going to talk about how you can invite first and next steps with Jesus. And then we're going to wrap it all up with Be the Church in the World. And all of that is encompassed under our mission to be and make disciples of Jesus. So like I said before, these aren't just uh, values to memorize. These aren't just phrases that we just have in the back of our minds. These are truths to live out for other people to see. And today, what we're going to focus on is we're going to focus on love pours out. So to begin, I'd actually like to show you a video. So go ahead and take a look. At least once a year, I like to bring in some of my Kevin's famous chili. The trick is to undercook the onions Everybody is going to get to know each other in the pot. I'm serious about this stuff. I'm up the night before, pressing garlic and dicing whole tomatoes. I toast my own ancho chilies. It's a recipe passed down from Malone's for generations. It's probably the thing I do best. Yeah. Uh, raise your hand if you've seen The Office before. All right, those of you who raised your hand online, bonus points. Uh, but that was a scene from The Office, and poor Kevin Malone, he experienced what a lot of us can experience in life, and that is when we spill something. Yeah, so when a spill happens, what tends to be the case is that it makes a mess. It makes a mess, and once the, you know, water hits the ground or the chili hits the floor, we go into panic mode because it stains everything that is around us. It ruins the carpet. It messes up the beautiful tile floors that we may have in our kitchen. And 
the people that are around the spill, they tend to do one of these. They freeze and then they run and they start getting into this fast-paced mode where they're trying to grab the disinfectant, they're grabbing the broom and the dustpan and they're sweeping and they're trying to clean it up as fast as they can. And the thing is, is that you didn't mean to do it. It was an accident. It was unintentional. And uh, I know so much about spills because I myself spill on a regular basis. Uh, no matter how hard I try, whether it is I put a napkin uh, in like the collar of my shirt to kind of act as a bib to try and catch any food that comes out of my mouth, or if I'm like trying to hold my hand underneath, uh, no matter what strategy I try, I always manage to spill. So staff members, if you see crumbs around the office, now you know it was me. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Or it'll be the case where I'm sitting on the couch with my wife watching TV and I'll be eating popcorn and no matter, even if I just have a single kernel of popcorn, somehow, someway, there are always crumbs that end up on my shirt. There are crumbs that fall into the crevice of our couch and next thing you know, uh, I get this look from my wife. <laughs> really? Come on. Or the worst one was when I was a kid, we'd be at the dinner table as a family and everyone else's plate was like they never had food on it before. And it was, all, it was all cleaned up and everybody ate all of the food that was on their plate. My plate, on the other hand, was one that had like a swab of ketchup on there and then there were a whole bunch of crumbs from everything else. And my dad would look at that plate and without fail, every single time, he would look at my plate and he would go, geez, Kevin, seems like you could feed a third world country with that plate. Man, oh man, crazy. But why are we talking about spills? We're talking about spills because something even worse than the coronavirus has spilt into our world. And it's spilt into the world almost from the very beginning of our existence. And that's sin. Sin has spilt into the world and has infected every single aspect of our lives. And so to learn about the origins of this sin, all we have to do is turn to the Bible go to Genesis chapter 3. So if you have a Bible, go ahead and turn to that. If you're watching online, go ahead and open up a new tab and you, you can go to BibleGateway.com. It's a wonderful research, resource that a Bible is there for you to be able to, uh, to be able to follow along with the scripture that we're going to dive into today. So just to give a little bit of context. So in the beginning, God had created everything. And when he created everything, he said that it was good. And at the end of six days after he had created humans, he said that things were very good. And the result of God's creation is that we were like this with God. We were created to be in right relationship with God. And so God is marveling at his beautiful creation. He's giving instruction to Adam and Eve to take care of this beautiful garden. But then the serpent shows up. And this is how the narrative goes. Genesis chapter 3. Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, Did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, We may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, but God did say you must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden, and you must not touch it or you will die. You will not certainly die, the serpent said to the woman, for God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be opened. And you will be like God, knowing good and evil. When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye, and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. She also gave some to her husband, 
who was with her, and he ate it. Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they realized they were naked. So they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. A lot of times at first glance, we can look at this passage and we can think that the initial sin that happened was disobedience. Eve disobeyed God, Adam disobeyed God. As a result of that, we need to be obedient in order to gain this right relationship with God back. So here we were, right relationship with God in the beginning of creation, and then the initial sin happened. And so we're trying to be obedient. We're trying to do the right things. We're trying to do everything we can to get back in God's good graces. But I think there's something that is deeper. There's something that happened even before this disobedience that we can point out as the root of the initial sin. We just have to go back a little bit to Genesis chapter 2, and God is giving instruction to Adam. And here's what God says to Adam. The Lord God commanded, to, commanded the man, You are free to eat from any tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, for when you eat from it, you will certainly die. So that's the command that God gives. But when we go to Genesis chapter 3, it's almost like it's a botched game of telephone. So God says, the command to Adam, Adam tells the command to the parrot that's sitting on his shoulder, and then the parrot says it to the elephant, and then the elephant says it to the zebra, and then the zebra says it to the lizard, and then the lizard finally tells Eve what God commanded. And here's Eve telling the serpent what God commanded. We may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, but God did say, you must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden. Okay, it lines up. And you must not touch it, or you will die. You must not touch it. But then, it continues on. And and the important thing is in the words of the serpent. For God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. The initial sin is that we as people have tried to get on the same level of God. We have tried to take control, and we have tried to be on that same level. It was the case with Eve, it was the case with Adam, and it's been the case throughout Scripture that because God is up here and we are down here, we sometimes get frustrated that we have to serve God. So rather than serving God, we try to be like God. And it's the case all throughout Scripture. Just a few chapters later in Genesis, we see the story of a group of people who they're trying to reach God in heaven. And so they build this magnificent tower to try and reach him, but they still can't reach him. Later on, Moses, through the power of God, is able to save God's people from the the Egyptians. And while they're out in the wilderness, the people are complaining. And rather than worshiping God... They decide to create their own god. They decide to create a golden calf to worship because apparently God wasn't good enough. And then people continued to complain later on. It just kept going on and on. And they were seeing the surrounding nations that, were, uh, that had kings, that had rulers, and so they wanted to be like everyone else. And they didn't like how God was ruling, so they were like, appoint us judges. But if you were to read the book of Judges, what you would find is that in each situation and with each judge, it gets worse and worse and worse. That's all because of that stain that sin has left. And then judges weren't good enough, so why not have kings? 
And God, I'm assuming, is probably in the back of his mind thinking, well, I'm already king, but okay, I guess I can give you a human king. And so these human kings, some were good, some were bad, but even the good kings, still infected by sin. And then the people go into exile, and then when they come out of exile, you start having these groups of people, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the Zealots, all of them with their ideologies of trying to gain, regain right relationship with God. And even today, it's a common notion for people to think that if we do the right things, if we think the right thoughts, that we are going to gain God's approval back. But it's kind of like trying to clean your kitchen floor. You bring, out the, you bring out the broom, you bring out the dustpan, and you sweep it once, but then it gets dirty again. And so you sweep it again. It still gets dirty. You keep sweeping it. It still gets dirty over time. And you keep sweeping, and you keep sweeping, and you keep sweeping, and you keep sweeping, and no matter how many times you sweep, it's still going to be dirty. Sin is still going to leave its mark. No matter how many good deeds that you do, sin is still going to leave its mark. And even worse, it could get to the case where some people just choose not to do anything about it. Well, I might as well not do good deeds because I'm just going to mess it up anyways. So how do we go about this? How do we, as the people of God, go about regaining that right relationship with God? That's where Jesus enters the picture. See, Jesus, when he was born into the world, he was born a human, but he never sinned. We are sinners, he was sinless. And it shows all throughout the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, where even though he was tempted by sin, and in a particular case, Matthew chapter 4, he was tempted by sin, and he was tempted with things that humans tend to fall for. Things like power, things like money, things like authority. People in their hearts fall victim to it. But yet Jesus, because he knew who he was, and he knew his purpose on this earth, he remained true. He never felt for the temptation. He never sinned. But how he interacted with the world is what's powerful. See, he taught practical truths, and he revealed incredible things about himself. He revealed things like, I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the living bread. I am the bread of life. I am the living water. Bread and water, two things that are necessary for our survival. And Jesus is saying, I am necessary for your survival. And not only that, but he healed people. But when he healed those people, he also forgave their sins, which back in New Testament times was unheard of, that you would forgive sins. And throughout all of that, what the essence of what Jesus did is that he poured out love. Sin spilt things into the world, but Jesus poured out love into the world. And his ultimate act of pouring out love was dying on the cross. But even before then, we get a glimpse of what he is going to do for humanity. And we see it in Luke chapter 23. So if you're still following along online, click back to that Bible Gateway uh, tab on your browser and go to Luke chapter 23. And we're going to be in verse 32 of that chapter. See, Jesus is being crucified right now. And we can't just gloss over that statement. We need to analyze it. We need to feel the full breath of this. Because Jesus is feeling physical pain. He's got a nail through his wrist. 
Imagine having a nail through your wrist right now and how much pain that would cause you. And not only did Jesus have a nail through his right wrist, he had it through his left wrist, and he had one through both of his feet. And your feet are the most sensitive parts of your body, or at least one of them. And not only that, but he's hanging up there. He has no, and nobody's coming up there with the other end of the hammer to pull out the nail. He has to hang up there. He has to suffer physical pain. Multiplied by three, multiplied by so many. Not only is he dealing with physical pain, he's dealing with emotional pain. He's dealing with the fact that people are yelling at him, mocking him, trying to disprove that he is not the Messiah. Oh, all those things you said before, you're a liar. So you're the Messiah, save yourself. The worst one yet is that he felt spiritual pain. He's up there on the cross, and he's screaming in his native Aramaic, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He felt like he had been distant from God in that moment. Physical, emotional, and spiritual pain. He is feeling all of these right now. Not only that, but there are two other criminals who are crucified by him. They were led out with him to be executed. This is verse 32 in Luke chapter 23. When they came to the place called the skull, they crucified him there, along with the criminals, one on his right, the other on his left. Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. And they divided up his clothes by casting lots. The people stood watching, and the rulers even sneered at him. They said, he saved others. Let him save himself if he is God's Messiah, the chosen one. The soldiers also came up and mocked him. They offered him wine vinegar and said, If you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. There was a written notice above him which read, This is the king of the Jews. And so one of the criminals who was hanging next to Jesus hurled insults at him. He was just like everyone else. Aren't you the Messiah? Save yourself and then come save us. It's that natural selfish inclination that sin has tainted us with. But I want us to focus on the reaction of the other criminal. Because the other criminal rebuked the first criminal. He said, don't you fear God since you are under the same sentence? We are punished justly for we are getting what our deeds deserve. But this man has done nothing wrong. And then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. As people of God who have been tainted by sin, don't we have those moments where we are like that criminal on the cross where we're saying, hey, Jesus, if only you would remember me. If only, if only you would see how much pain I'm in. If only you could recognize all of the good things that I'm doing. Or only if you would recognize and forgive my sins. If only you remembered me. Then Jesus looks at that criminal And it didn't matter what that criminal did. He just looked at him for his being God's creation. And he answered him, truly I tell you, today you will be with me in paradise. And this criminal had done some terrible things because you only save crucifixion to shame and humiliate the worst of the worst. But yet Jesus looked at that man. It didn't matter what that guy did. It didn't matter what that guy thought. What mattered is that Jesus wanted to show him love. He wanted to recognize that this criminal was putting his trust and putting his faith 
and Jesus. And Jesus poured out love to him in that moment by saying, today you will be with me in paradise. And then he releases his spirit. He dies on the cross. But then he doesn't stay dead. He rises victorious. And because of that, our sins are forgiven. And we then get the opportunity to pour out love for other people. See, our core value of love pours out. What that's all about is that because God first loved us by sending his son to die on the cross and then rise from the grave, we then go and love other people. We love because God first loved us. That is who we are. That is at the core of us, community of grace. It's at the core of our Christian faith. And it's out of that love here at this church that we pour out love to people who are thousands of miles away in Haiti. And it's because of God's love that those same people then pour love back onto us in this reciprocal relationship. And it's out of God's love where we have people who serve as hospitality workers, who check our blood pressures, who are greeters and ushers, and it doesn't matter what age, it doesn't matter how skilled you are at those positions, it's just the fact that because God first loved you, you decide that you want to show love to other people in those capacities as well. It might seem insignificant to the human eye, but in God's eyes, what he sees is that you are showing the love that he has shown you from the very beginning. And sure, we may have had to go to this format of doing this service where everyone has to watch online. But we're not doing this out of fear. We're not afraid of this coronavirus. No, we're going to continue to worship. We're going to continue being the church. Church isn't canceled. Showing love towards other people isn't canceled. Now this right here, what we're doing right now, this is showing love. This is flattening the curve of what's going on in the world. This is helping to prevent further cases happening. We're showing love towards our neighbors by doing that because God first loved us. And it's not just now, but it's in your daily life where you have the opportunity to pour out love on other people. You have the opportunity to give a smile to that person who maybe hasn't been smiled at in three days. You may have the opportunity to show respect towards somebody who never gets respect. You may have that opportunity to pour out love in one of the smallest ways possible, but yet makes a gigantic impact for that person's life. And it could be the opposite. It could be a gigantic impact. But either way, you're showing love. So sure, like what happened in the video, Kevin Malone, he spilled the chili. Sin has spilt into the world. But we can have hope, we can have confidence in the fact that God loves you for you. It's not about what you do, it's not about how you think, but it's about putting your trust in Jesus and allowing his love to impact you so much and at such a heart level that you then go out and love other people. And those other people then get to see God's work in the world. Amen? All right, let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you that uh, no matter where people are watching from, that uh, you're with them, that your presence may be felt, Lord. I just pray that 
upon the people who are watching from wherever they're watching, that your presence may be felt, that your Holy Spirit may be working on their lives. And Lord, as we come out of this worship service, Lord, may we show love towards one another. Lord, we confess that we sometimes try to play your role. We sometimes try and think that we're going to be, that we're going to be God. But Lord, we pray that we would just, that you would just forgive our sins, that we would trust in the promise that what we confess to you has most surely been forgiven. And that what you did thousands of years ago by sending your son to die on the cross and rise from the grave, that that is enough for us. That that is the greatest gift that we can ever receive. That that grace be what fuels our love for other people. Lord, help us to be the church in the world. Help us to pour out love for others to see. We love you so much, Lord. And we know that you love us just as we are, just as humans, just as your creation. We pray all these things in your most precious and holy name. Amen.